raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Hammer is right over there. I'm Nigel. This, uh... This Chinese balloon thing, this spy balloon, Biden's balloon, as I call it, it's, it's just embarrassing. It makes our country look weak. It's, it makes us look like we're slow to respond to incoming threats. I mean, look, the disaster in Afghanistan and that poll out is on a higher level than this, but just add this to the list of things that make our country look weak and incompetent. If this were a test run for China of some capacity just to see what they could get away with. The answer is a lot. Yeah. A lot. So Biden said that he ordered that Chinese spy balloon to be shot down on Wednesday, but was overruled by General Mark Milley. On Wednesday, when I was briefed on the balloon, I ordered the Pentagon to shoot it down on Wednesday as soon as possible. They decided without doing damage to anyone on on the ground. They decided that the best time to do that was if it got over water outside within our within 12 mile limit. They successfully took it down. And the recommendation from your was from your national. I security. told them to shoot it down. On oh, Wednesday. On Wednesday. But the recommendation. They from said to me, "Let's wait till the safest place <laughs> to do it." So the commander-in-chief makes a call. Listen, I'm no Biden fan, but he is the commander-in-chief. He makes the call, and Milley says, no. Like, this tells you he's not calling the shots here, right? Could you imagine if even Barack Obama, right? Take Trump aside. You know how Trump would respond. Even Obama, I'm sorry, you're telling me no? Well, if you recall, Barack Obama uh, wanted to go in and kill uh, Osama bin Laden, and who was the one guy in the room saying, eh, "You better not do that." That would be one Joe Biden. <laughs> Just a little side note there. And he always delivers speeches where he mentions the raid, like he was somebody that approved of it. Joe Biden never approved of that, <laughs> and now he's got Millie. And keep in mind. Milley was also the same dude that leaked information to China, back-channeled it against Trump when he was the president. I love how Biden goes, yeah, I told him to shoot it down as soon as possible. And I go, yeah, actually, we'll wait. Actually, you know what? We're going to wait on that. He goes, Biden says, shoot it down. And I said, well, okay, we'll shoot it down, but we're going to wait. That's like kind of like when Trump made Chris Christie order the meatloaf. <laughs> hey, look, you can look at the menu, get whatever you want, but you're ordering the meatloaf. And you're going to like it. <laughs> I love that story. I totally forgot about that. Uh, Biden, I'll shoot down the I'll shoot down the balloon in in our own sweet time. You just sit tight there, old man. You let this spy balloon go all the way across the country. It's crazy, man. Spying in on some of our nuclear missile silos and various restricted government areas all across the country and the excuse we were given was well we couldn't shoot it down because you know it might crash to the ground and hurt somebody so you're telling me that if a plane was in the air and you knew it was going to crash into a building let's say the white house go back to september 11th if you knew there was a plane in the air you're telling me you wouldn't shoot it down because you didn't want people to get hurt on the ground it's an easy fix 
All you have to do is fire off the EAS system, the emergency alert system. You have your local authorities tell you to get into a place where you feel safe, comfortable, and you do what you have to do. If national security is at stake, don't tell us, well, what can you do? You know, it's over land. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. They could have shut it down in the islands in Alaska. Some of the most sparsely populated areas on the planet where there's nobody they should have shot it down then they knew about this thing a while back yeah and the thing that bothers me the most is that had some folks in montana not said what the hell is that (laughs) biden wouldn't have said a word he didn't want anybody to know this was going on because he didn't want to ruin his secretary of state's trip to china bingo blinken was on his way to meet president g which is unusual because um, because Blinken is on a lower level than G, and G doesn't really meet with those kinds of people. So this was going to be a big meeting. And he was it, trying to keep this a secret as long as he could. That's so embarrassing, and it makes the United States look so incredibly weak. You mentioned it earlier, the Afghan debacle, what's happening at the border, these balloons, it's embarrassing. And now they're trying to shift the blame over to Donald Trump. You knew sooner or later it was going to be Donald Trump's fault, right? Oh, sure. So there were reports that came out that Trump had this happen to him multiple times. These reports came out over the weekend. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Trump, his secretary of defense, who hates him, his secretary of state, and two former DNI say there were no Chinese spy balloons during their tenure, but one source, an unnamed source from the Biden administration claimed to a liberal news network, oh yeah, it happened, so now we're running on it. Don't you think if this had happened before and people knew, this would have been leaked out a long time ago? It could have made Trump look horrible. Everything from Trump's presidency yeah. was leaked out. This is a pretty big piece of information. I promise you, this would have been leaked out earlier. Now, Representative Mike Waltz, said this morning, quote, there's speculation that the Pentagon deliberately did not tell President Trump of the spy balloons because they thought Trump would be too proactive and too aggressive. Provocative. And proactive. They knew Donald Trump would blow this thing out of the air. (laughs) And then brag about it. Right. So let that sink in for just a minute. If... Representative Mike Waltz is correct that the Pentagon kept information from Donald Trump. This is a complete failure of the way things are supposed to work here. A United States general did not notify the commander in chief of a potential threat to the homeland. Now, General Mattis was the defense secretary at this time. If this is true, and again, we don't know if it is, but if this is true, He's got some questions to answer here. Here's something else that uh, people aren't keying in on. Here's what you need to know is that the lie is changing. First, it was, you know, this happened a bunch of times during Trump. He didn't do anything about it. The Biden administration now saying that the incidents were not discovered until after Trump had already left. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is mainstream media... Uh, which is, you know, the right right leg of the, uh, you know, the the direct arm of the um, the Democratic Party is trying to make it look like Biden is this military badass, like he's Tom Cruise shooting stuff out of the sky and Trump was incompetent and didn't do anything when the same thing happened while he was in office. The story has changed from that 
now to, oh, well, they didn't actually discover the Chinese spy balloons until after Trump left office, and they're not telling us how they know that. So in 24 hours, the story has changed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, but the narrative is still there, and that's all people know now. You, you go with this lie uh, about how Trump let this happen under his tutelage, under his administration, and now it's like, oh, well, we didn't find out about these supposed balloons that were flying, quote, near Texas and near Florida, not over, but near, if there were really any. We didn't find out about it until after Trump left office. Listen, but, but what is everybody saying now? That's, you know, what what is everybody saying? If Donald Trump knew about these balloons and he did not act on it, shame on Donald Trump. If General Mattis knew about these balloons, that if they existed, and did not tell Donald Trump, that's ridiculously embarrassing and he needs to be held accountable. And of course, we know Joe Biden knew about this and he let it go all the way across the country. You know, we've talked about this before. Where else, other than Washington politics, would this policy make sense? If you were a police officer and you knew you had the bad guy, you knew where he was at, you cornered him, you could track him, you would arrest him right away. You don't let the bad guy go across the country, kill 14 more people and say, we made our arrest. Thank God we kept people safe. No, that's not how any of this works. Did you see in uh, it's South Carolina... They had to, to warn residents not to shoot at the spy balloon. God bless them. You know, they shot this thing down. <laughs> they, they shot this thing off the coast of Myrtle Beach, I believe. And by the way, compelling television. It was. It, were you watching it? I, I was I, not. I saw, I saw it happen live. It was crazy. Uh, but they actually had to put out a tweet asking people not to shoot at it. And later, there was a little short press conference in South Carolina, which we have for you now. All right, listen up. As chief of police, which, by the way, is not a racist term, I would just like to remind all citizens not to shoot at Chinese spy balloons or any other balloons, for that matter, because someone shot down a giant red balloon yesterday that was actually flying over a car dealership. Another person shot down a drifting Mylar birthday balloon with a picture of SpongeBob on it. There's no reason for that. And also, we had a drunk guy shooting at yesterday's full moon. Please, cut it out, peoples. And another reminder, not to shoot zombies here in town. Those are just tweakers. Okay. That's all. That's all. Got it. That's, uh, oh, wow. Some amazing times we live in. I love the brave patriots of South Carolina. We're like, I got this. I got this. Man, I, it was must-see TV for me on Saturday. First, the Chinese spy balloon. I think Fox was the only one. I thought I heard Tony say Fox was the only one that was following it. I was actually watching it live as it got shot down. And so that lasted for an hour or two, but it led straight into the IU-Purdue game. Man, how many beers did you down <laughs> between Spy Balloon and the IU-Purdue game? Uh, let me see. I don't have enough hands to count, uh, actually. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. IU beating Purdue. Number one Purdue over the weekend. Still number one Purdue. Uh, they, still, did they? they stayed at number one. The oh, new wow. poll is out, and it helps that some other folks got beat, too. Like Tennessee lost and some other folks lost, so... Purdue still the number one team in the country, and the Hoosiers are up to 18, 18 in the country. It was a fun game. Yeah, it was ups, downs, 
highs, lows, emotions running. I was at a party down the street at my neighbor's house at uh, my, uh, my neighbor's Marcus and Deb. Deb. And there was IU fans and there was Purdue fans. There was there was both there. My buddy I was sitting next to, Mike, is a big Purdue fan. Marcus is a Purdue fan. And they were just yelling at each other the <laughs> entire time because there was a bunch of IU grads there. Sure, sure. And this is the way it's supposed to it be, is. man. Like, I hope when Indiana goes to West Lafayette in a couple weeks, uh, final Saturday in February, I hope it's rowdy, I hope it's rocking, and I hope the Purdue fans camp out early because that's the way this game is supposed to be like all the time. And by the way, just a side note, um, IU Purdue ladies played the next day. They did. Played on Sold Sunday. Out. Sold out. First time since 2000. That was up in Lafayette, though. Right. Right. Right, and your cousin, by the way, Coach Gerald's happens to be the, the head coach at Purdue. They were keeping up with the the, the late uh, uh, IU for a little while there. They were IU ended up winning that game, going away. Uh, the Lady Hoosiers are number two in the country right now. So um, yeah, it's been a big weekend of basketball. The atmosphere at Assembly Hall, man. I couldn't imagine. Wow, yeah. I'm trying to think. I I don't know what was more rowdy yesterday when Purdue came in as number one. Or when that Kentucky team came in undefeated that Watford hit the shot at the end of the game. Those are the two most electric crowds I think Assembly Hall's had in a while. I think the Kentucky one's more electric just because of how it ended. Right. And the fact that it's Kentucky. Like, who do you think is a more hated rival for Indiana? If you're an Indiana fan, who do you hate more, Purdue or Kentucky? Oh, I, I would think Purdue. Probably, right? I mean, it's, it's a historic rivalry for sure. Right. And you play them twice a year, though. Like, in the past, when it was Kentucky, you'd only play them once a yeah. year. And then Calipari became a little bit of a weasel and didn't want to play anymore because they got beat and the students stormed the court. So hit us up on Twitter, at Hammer and Nigel. If you are an IU fan, who do you hate more, Kentucky or Purdue? Here is a IU head coach Tone Loke talking about the atmosphere. <laughs> We got the best fans in college basketball. I mean, no doubt in my mind. I've Hell, I've seen it for 40-some years of my life. I mean, since I came in here in 1976, this the fan base here has not wavered one bit, and they were they were fantastic tonight. He does sound like Tone Look, doesn't he? Ever since Jake Query <laughs> pointed that out, I can't stop hearing it now. So are you okay with this, the, the court storming yesterday? Oh, yeah, always. I don't care if you're a— it's They're number one, you know? A blue blood or yeah. not. Let the college kids have fun, man, especially Indiana. As much as those kids have had the tuition jacked up on them the last decade, let them get their money's worth. <laughs> let them storm the court a little bit. But I will say this. There's some miserable people on social media. Like, if you want to find who the most miserable bastard in the room is, it's the old curmudgeon saying, I don't like the court storming. You should be above that. You're Indiana. These college kids at Indiana, they're not used to the team being good. They're not. So let them have a good time. And as for the Purdue fans, knock it off. Knock off the I use our little brother stuff that I also saw on social media. Because I think I can be honest here. I'm coming from an SEC perspective. I'm a Tennessee Volunteers guy. So you heard me criticize Indiana. Purdue fans, 
cut the crap with the little brother <laughs> stuff. Win something of note, and then maybe we can shift the conversation. Your banners are dusty. Yeah, well, there's something to collect dust <laughs> at Assembly Hall. So stop it. New York City will always be a Yankees town, even though the Mets may be better from time to time. State of Indiana. Indiana's always going to be big brother. That's the way it is right now. That's the hard reality. Sorry if you don't want to hear it. Does it mean Purdue's not good? Hell, I think they're probably the favorite to win the national championship this year. But knock off the little brother stuff. It makes you look bad. It's embarrassing. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Guy Stop calling your arms guns. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here also joining us live in studio. Second Amendment attorney, licensed firearms instructor, Guy Relford. Guy, how are you? Man, I'm great, and thanks as always to our sponsor, Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon, 8401 East Highway 36. Great place to buy firearms, ammunition, or accessories. Check out my buddies at the fort at fortlibertyfirearms.com. Got some uh, Second Amendment stuff to get to here, but just your initial thoughts on uh, what I'm calling Biden's balloon, even though it's the Chinese spy <laughs> balloon, it's Biden's balloon, and how embarrassing it is for this country, how weak it makes us look. Well, you know, it's a good point, because my, my initial thought was to laugh, and the reason I was laughing is because all the great memes that came out. Yeah. That's you what know? we were ha- oh, talking about during the yeah. commercial break, right yeah. before you walked gonna in. going to miss the memes. I mean, my, my favorite one was, Dear Eric, Happy Birthday, Fang Fang. <laughs> <laughs> that was... That... 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 That was my absolute favorite. But I've seen Belichick. I've seen the Houston Astros. And- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, but it, it, so there were some really fantastic memes. But at the at, at at you know at the bottom, the bottom line is that it embarrasses us as a country that we sat there as a country and allowed what we knew to be a, a spy balloon. Uh, you know, float over pretty much the length of the country. And you know, the, the reason we didn't shoot it down earlier ostensibly was because well we, you know we didn't want to imperil anybody on the ground you know when i first heard about this thing it was over montana have you flown over montana i mean it's, you know it's some of the most like i said earlier sparsely populated areas yeah i mean in it's beautiful and, and alaska for that matter yeah when it came in right it was across to alaska and, and i mean it's beautiful out there it's spectacular i spent a lot of time riding a motorcycle through montana but my goodness you could certainly ha- you know, pick a spot to down that thing uh, before it went across the rest of the country. So I considered it to be, you know, an embarrassment, a, a black eye for America. We, we've suffered so many of those under this administration, and I think this is just one more. So let's get into a couple things happening at the Indiana State House. The General Assembly still happening. Uh, we've been keeping our eye on a couple different. 2A bills making their way through. What's the latest? Yeah, I mean, we're so frustrated because we can't get the chairman of the uh, Courts and Criminal Code Committee in the in the House to give us a, a hearing on the self-defense bill that would allow, for instance, a business owner to, to avoid a felony uh, if they simply point a gun at someone and say, you're not going to destroy my 
business uh, is someone who wants to come in and firebomb their business or otherwise destroy their business. Because right now, uh, if you point a gun at someone merely to protect your property, including your business, that's a felony in Indiana, which is ridiculous, and we're trying to get that fixed. So that's a downside. We can't get Representative McNamara to give us a hearing, and, and that's frustrating a lot of people. So right now, if somebody throws a Molotov cocktail through a business and the business owner comes out and points his weapon at that guy, both people could go to jail. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's still arson. That's a good point, Jason. I mean, it's still arson, so the bad guy goes to jail. But it, but if, if I'm merely protecting my property, so I'm not saying, no, I, th- I thought he was going to throw that at me. I thought he was attacking me. I'm merely protecting my business. Um, or my other property. I could be protecting my car or my wallet, you know, whatever it is. If I merely point a gun at someone not to defend my life or my safety, but to protect my property in Indiana under the state of the law, I go to jail on a felony. As ridiculous as that is. And this is the third year we've had the same bill that would fix that. And we've pushed it every time. And we can't get a hearing uh, from a Republican who chairs the the Courts and Criminal Code Committee. And and that's frustrating to me and and inexplicable to me. I can't really understand why not. So what's the reason here? Because it feels like every time the people of Indiana feel like something needs to happen, it takes three to four times longer than it should. I mean, Sunday sales of alcohol. This was something the people (laughs) of Indiana wanted overwhelmingly for years, but we were always told, we know what's best for you. Well, (laughs) live dealers at the casinos in Shelbyville and Anderson. People have been wanting that for years. When I worked there, it was Pence and Bosma that made my life hell saying, well, that's an expansion of gaming. You've already got a dealer there hitting a button. We just (laughs) wanted to give them cards, but it took three times longer. Constitutional carry. That's another example. Years. Other states have been doing this for a long time, but, quote, conservative red Indiana was late to the party on that. Why are we always behind? You know, I don't know. It, it's frustrating to me. I mean, I, I, again, as a 2A guy, I'm, I'm thrilled with where we are generally in Indiana. I would take our gun laws literally over any other state in the country. People always come and say, oh, well, you know, there's pro, pro-gun states like Texas. I would take our gun laws over Texas's any time. So we're still trying wow. to make improvements. Um, and, but overall, with especially now that we've got constitutional carry done, um, I mean, you know, I, I love where we are, and the General Assembly deserves credit for that. But to your question and to your point, I don't know why it, 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 it takes so long. The inertia, you know, the, the propensity of an object to remain, uh, you know, uh, still <laughs> when, it, when, it, when, it's, when, it's, when it's still, um, it, that has a powerful effect in the Indiana General Assembly. I think in this particular circumstance where we have such a common sense bill, I hate to use that term in the, in, in, in the context of gun control because it use, gets used against us all the time, but where, you know, where, where you ought to say, you know, if I was a business owner, I'd be able to point my gun at somebody who wants to throw a Molotov cocktail through the store of my business, the, the window of my business, and uh, destroy my business. I shouldn't go to jail on a felony. You think that's pretty common sense. Uh, you have to speculate a little bit. And the, and the honest answer is I don't know why we can't get a hearing. I have a feeling it's out of fear for uh, having to, to face the mad moms uh, you know, who would who are going to come in just like they did against constitutional carry, just like they did against my self-defense immunity bill that we passed in 2019. They'll come 
come in and say something like, well, this promotes vigilante justice and there'll be blood in the streets. Uh, and oh my, you know, we're promoting violence in Indiana uh, when, of course, none of that ever happens when, when we hear that that same shrill response. These excuses they always give are the worst. Uh, always. Go back to the uh, the alcohol bill for just yeah. a moment. And I remember Nigel and I on the air and one of the excuses that a representative gave us as to why certain places can sell beer cold and other places can't there may be out of control teens drinking right. oh, beer yeah. in the aisle <laughs> oh yeah i remember this. out of control teenagers oh, yeah. drinking cold beer left and right that's hilarious even though i'm a 2a guy i've always wanted sunday sales forever and i actually started a facebook page and it said Sunday sales in 2018, 2000, whatever the year was, we really thought we could make it happen. And people came on there accusing me of all kinds of things. And one one person came on there and posted and said, you know, my fa- I grew up with a father who's an alcoholic, and, and I just look forward to Sundays because I, I thought, you know, I might have one day without my father, you know, being able to go out and, and buy liquor and get drunk. And, and, and now you're trying to take that away from me. And I said... Your dad wasn't smart enough to buy more on Saturday? <laughs> right. I mean, and, and you know what? They still screwed up the law because you can't buy you can't buy until noon. Well, so, noon, you know, noon, noon to um, 8. Yeah. So noon to you have the 8-hour window. Yeah. So on um, Saturday at 6 a.m., I'm good. But on Sunday, not till noon. And every once in a while, they'll get cute and make an exception. Like when the Final Four was here yeah, or right, if it's Indy yeah. 500 weekend, it's okay then, but other times, absolutely not. Yeah, I, you're right. I mean, there's just no logic to this. And, 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 and let's face it, when the government just gets the hell out of our way, life is better. And, and that's pretty much my whole legislative agenda is getting <laughs> the government the hell out of our way. Monday Gun Day with Guy Relford here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Um, Another gun law found to be unconstitutional. You sent me a story this morning about the Fifth Circuit reversing a uh, conviction of a Texas man. Well, yeah, and this is a big deal um, because what this is, is this this is exactly what I came and talked to you guys about and and that I predicted after the the Supreme Court's decision in the Bruin case. And I'll bring that back around. But what this is, is the Fifth Circuit, and that's a federal circuit that that just um, has jurisdiction over Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. Um, But that federal circuit has come out and said the law that says someone under a domestic violence order of protection, um, if they possess a gun, that's a felony and they go to jail for 10 years. Okay, the 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 Fifth Circuit looked at that under the new test defined by Bruin. And real quickly, I'll I'll back up. Bruin just dealt with the law in New York that said you can't get a handgun license um, without some government bureaucrat having to basically touch you on the on the shoulder with their sword and deem you worthy, right? They were right. They, they, it was discretionary. It was a May issue system. And, and the Supreme Court said, now that's unconstitutional. We're setting it aside. And I said at the time, and I said it right here with you guys in this studio, I said, that impacts only a few states that have similar systems. But the bigger deal is that the Supreme Court said, here's how you decide two-way cases. They said, you, you don't look at this balancing uh, test that courts had been using for years, where they said, well, you know, if there's a compelling state interest like keeping people safe, they, yeah, a little infringement's okay. They came out and said, no, that's... <laughs> a little infringement. Yeah, that's, that's like being a little pregnant, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, and I'm making it a little more simplistic than it was, but that's basically exactly what they said. So, so they said, they said, no, we're not doing this balancing anymore. You look at the text 
and history and tradition around constitutional protections in a particular area, in this case, the Second Amendment. And unless that supports this particular law, it's unconstitutional. That's the new test. I mean, it should have been the test all along. It's been the test in some jurisdictions. Supreme Court made that clear in Bruin. And I said right then, I said, licensing in New York is just the example. That new test is going to set aside gun laws one after the other all across the country. And that's exactly what's happening. It's happening in jurisdiction after jurisdiction. And this decision by the Fifth Circuit says, you know what? Someone who hasn't hasn't committed a crime, he's not a felon, they haven't committed the crime of domestic battery or any other, they just had an order of protection issued against them, preventing them from doing something that then might be illegal. The idea that that person's a prohibited possessor, and if they possess a gun, they go to prison for 10 years, that's not consistent with the text, history, and tradition of the Second Amendment, and similar restrictions that have been in place in this country over the, this period of time. That's unconstitutional. Now, that's just the Fifth Circuit. Doesn't apply in Indiana, doesn't apply outside those three states I mentioned. But what this is, is it's an indication of where gun laws and, and gun restrictions that a lot of us have been calling unconstitutional for a long time about where that's going to go in this country going forward. That's why it's a big, big deal. And a lot of us are looking at that going, Oof, the gun control people have got to be really nervous right now. Do you own any guns that could have reached the Chinese spy balloon? <laughs> <laughs> they, no, seriously, they had to put the South Carolina, York County Sheriff's Department had to tweet this out. Yes, there are reports that the Chinese balloon is flying over our area at the moment. It's flying 60,000 feet. Don't try to shoot it. Your <laughs> rifle rounds will not reach it. Be responsible. What comes up goes down. Well, you know, it's USA! <laughs> USA! There's a dang old uh, balloon. It's, it's interesting you would ask me that, Nodge, because uh, we actually did a little. A, a, a little math, which is not my strong suit, a little, but did a little math over, over the weekend. And uh, I own uh, the, the, the most long range rifle I have. I have a beautiful range. It's called an advanced sniper rifle and 300 Win Mag from Bell Precision Rifles cool. right here in Indiana, one of the best rifle makers in, in the world. And uh, But it's a 300 Win Mag. And I was doing a little calculation to say, not that I was going to take a shot at this thing, but I was just, <laughs> but, I, but. but I was curious. And it looked like I could, I could, potentially get to about 60,000 feet, um, no it, it, it would be really, really slow and probably not do much damage. In fact, getting ready to turn around and come the other direction uh, in terms of downward. Um, but but I looked at that and, and no, uh, it didn't look like <laughs> this thing was it's something like was 70 or 80,000 feet for a while. Um, so it didn't look like I could quite get there, and and even if I could reach it, I might be able to just you know my bullet might just go kiss it on on the forehead and then descend to earth after that. <laughs> you had um, he, I'm looking at the gun now. You po posted it on your Facebook page. You had like a thousand likes on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just, it's guy yeah. from pointing a gun at somebody and just it, says spy balloon. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, it's actually it. it's, it's it. actually it's actually my cover picture on my Facebook yeah. page, which is there for a reason, by the way. You go to my Facebook page, you see that you got a problem. You probably don't want to follow me. Um, but no, and it's this beautiful rifle I have. It's a very high velocity, uh, uh, incredible rifle. But uh, but no, I. It, but, but when I post that, you're right. It, uh, a whole bunch of people, people kept on there going, you couldn't take down the balloon with that. And I'm like, humor, humor, hello. I'm waving my arms. It's funny, humor. Stay with me. If anybody has any questions or would like to reach out to you, how do they find you? It's always RelfordLaw.com, man. RelfordLaw.com. Guy, thank you. Thanks guys. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. Hello, my name is Nigel. 
Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the drivehubler.com hotline. John Elliott, former deputy assistant to the president and senior director for strategic communications at the National Security Council, joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel show. John, thank you so much for the time. We got a lot of different layers to this Chinese spy balloon story. A lot of questions, but let's start with the one I think that's the most important. How did this happen? How does a balloon that we know is a Chinese spy balloon allowed to just go across the country? How did this happen? Well, thank you both for having me on once again. Uh, and the answer to your question real quick is that it, it happened because it was allowed to happen by this administration and directly by this president. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. What President Biden has said is that he would was he wanted to shoot it down right away, but his generals told him that there was too big of a risk to do that. Well, I'm sorry, but the generals aren't in charge. Under our Constitution, the commander-in-chief is the president. And when I was at the White House, President Trump, he made the decisions, and this is not the case with Biden, where he essentially decided not to make that decision. He had so many times to shoot this thing down, so many opportunities. He could have done it over the ocean when it came by the Aleutians and went down toward our mainland. He could have done it together with NORAD, which is an alliance with Canada, while it was over empty Canada. And then both senators from Montana, Republican and Democrat, have both said that they could have taken it down over Montana with no problem because there's nobody out there. And if there's anybody who says that, then, uh, then look, it's the two senators from the state. So there were so many opportunities to do this. And frankly, gentlemen, what I was saying is that, uh, is that look, this is such an embarrassment to this president that China may actually have done us a favor by showing the American people just how weak he's been up until now and for the last two years on China, and it really puts pressure on right before the State of the Union. Yeah, but John, we're speaking with John Elliott, former Deputy Assistant of President Trump, Senior Director for Strategic Communications and National Security Council. Listen to what they're doing. Listen to this article from the Associated Press. This was from an hour ago. U.S. officials said Monday that improvements ordered by President Joe Biden to strengthen defenses against Chinese espionage helped identify last week's spy balloon and determine that similar flights were conducted at multiple points by a Trump administration. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said Monday that after Biden took office, the U.S., quote, enhanced our surveillance of our territorial space. We enhanced our capacity to detect things that Trump was unable to detect. You see the narrative going here? Can you believe this? They're trying to make Biden look like the hero here. Well, this is exactly what they did in Afghanistan when they had such a debacle of an exit from Afghanistan. We had, I'm a Marine veteran myself, and we had 13 mostly Marines that were killed in that debacle. And suddenly they spun it as a victory for Biden and pulling us out of there when it was an absolute disgrace on the world stage. So this is the MO of this White House is whenever they have something that goes wrong. And let me tell you, it's something goes wrong all the time with this administration, not just on national security. But when they do have something that goes wrong, they do one of two things that they either say it was caused by President Trump or they say that it happened under Trump in some way and that we made it better. And that's exactly the way they did it here by now shooting this ridiculous 
theory that somehow it transited our airspace under Trump. But if you look very carefully about what they're saying, is there's, they say the quote is that there is his, there is forensic historical evidence yeah. that it trans that it transited. Look, if there were evidence and if they knew what they were talking about, they would give a time a place and a date, right. and they would say, this is exactly when it happened, and you're getting none of that from the White House. John, based off of your experience, what's the rest of the world saying right now about the United States after this? Well, it's it's once again, it's another Afghanistan, and what they're saying is, just like the Chinese showed, that this was probably a test balloon, if you will, a trial balloon, literally, by the Chinese in the sense that not only do they want to gather intelligence, but they wanted to see how we would react to this. And so by reacting in such a weak way, then that gave them now, gave the Chinese much more ability or much more reason to go into Taiwan, let's say, either this year or next year, because we've demonstrated weakness. So to answer your question, the the rest of the world is seeing exactly what China has seen and what our American people are seeing is just how weak this president is on national security. And unfortunately for our allies like Taiwan, this is really spelling much more danger from China because China is emboldened by this exercise. Should the United States really be on guard the next two years? Because we're about two years away from another presidential election. There's a chance Joe Biden won't be the president anymore. We don't know that, but that's the chance. Are other countries kind of planning the next two years to do whatever they want to the United States because they've seen (laughs) the lack of response that comes their way? Well, absolutely, because if you just look at Ukraine, Ukraine would never... Putin would never have invaded Ukraine if Donald Trump were president. And I'm just I'm not just saying this as somebody from the administration. If anybody objectively looks at this, Putin has invaded a neighboring country in every presidency that was every president that's elected this century, except for Donald Trump under Bush in Bush's final year. He went and he invaded North Georgia. He invaded the Crimea under Obama. And now under he did nothing under Trump. And then now under under Biden, he saw what happened in Afghanistan, and then he decided, hey, look, the green light for me doing going back into try to take over the Ukraine or certainly some parts of the Ukraine. So to answer your question one more time is that there, there is a lot of danger here because the world – look at Iran. Iran now sees – uh, Biden administration coming to the table and trying to renegotiate this nuclear deal that was a disaster uh, that gave them essentially a green light to produce nuclear weapons within five years. And they're still now they look and they'll say, hey, we're signing up for this because there's no issue here. Um, John Elliott, former deputy uh, assistant to President Trump, senior director for uh, senior uh, strategic communications at the uh, National Security Council here on the Hammer and Nigel show. What um what kind of information, what kind of details do you think the Chinese spy balloon was able to uh, um, to gain and send back to um, China? Well, a couple of things here is that one is that there's a lot better ability with a balloon like this to yeah. get what's called sig- signals intelligence or communications intelligence, because if you're up in the sat, if you're up. Uh, from a satellite is very tough to detect exactly kind of, you know, cell phone issues, et cetera, cell phone uh, communications and other communications that aren't able to be detected from space. 
So the idea is, is that if you put a balloon over very sensitive sites like our nuclear weapons facilities, you can gather a lot more electronic intelligence than you can wow. with a uh, with other means. Uh, in other words, the other the probably the best way you could do it is to pull up a a pickup truck with a lot of sensitive listening devices and uh, and have it done right from the ground. But a balloon even even provides better than that coverage because it's overhead, but it's not high enough that or it's not too high to gather that type of intelligence. So that's probably what they were looking at here. And once again, to do that over our most sensitive sites is really dangerous. And to allow that to happen is really malpractice on the part of this administration. I, I totally agree. They should have been shot down immediately. But but is there any chance that, you know, um, our, our military intelligence was spying on the spy balloon, you know, um, aircraft carriers or reconnaissance um, it, uh, airplanes recording and seeing and what's coming and going out of that, that spy balloon? Were we able to ascertain any information? Well, without getting into classified means of, of uh, tracking, you better believe that we knew that this thing was coming. What, what intel we got off the balloon is probably more an issue of what they can get from the debris field when it was taken down. Uh, here uh, uh, off the coast of South Carolina. But bottom line is that we had a lot. We did not let this thing come over our country in order to gather intelligence on what their capabilities yeah. are with the balloon. There's no right. question about that. Right. So the question, the, the issue is really what we can do in terms of a debris field and kind of put this thing back to get put the pieces back together literally on this. John, last thing before we let you go here. Again, there's so many stories coming out right now. It's hard to gauge what's true, what's not. But there's one story out that says that the military kind of knew about this during the Trump administration, but they didn't tell President Trump because they thought he might do something irrational. If that is the case, and again, we don't know if it's true or not, but if that is indeed the case, what's going on here? Should Mattis, who I believe was the uh, secretary at the time, should he have to answer some questions? Well, number one, I don't buy it as somebody who is at the White House working for President Trump on the National Security Council. I was the NSC spokesman, and I don't buy that for a second because President Trump gave the clear directive that he wanted to be led, kept in the loop on anything important national security-wise. And you better believe if there was a spy balloon coming over any part of our country that he would have been told that. But to your point, if this thing, if, if, he, if the military deliberately did withhold information from this president, and that's absolutely unconstitutional for them to do it because the military works for one man, and that's the chief executive of the United States and the commander-in-chief of the military. And if they ever withheld information or any president uh, in terms because they thought that the president could not act in a rational way on something, that is just what's called treason that is absolutely going against our constitution and our founding documents and the way that we have uh, structured our country and it's unacceptable if it happened john elliott former deputy assistant to president trump and senior director for strategic communications at the national security council john thank you so much for your time thank you for your service to our country fascinating conversation we'd like to have it again sometime soon Great hammer, Nigel. You guys were on the best show in Indiana. Thanks again. Thank you. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. 
Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Emmer and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I'll run some stories by you. You tell us if they're anything or not. That simple. Is this anything? Lawmakers in Tennessee have introduced a bill to replace Columbus Day with Super Bowl Monday <laughs> to give everybody the day off after the game. Here are opinions from the people around Nashville weighing in. Most of the people are either hungover or they just don't want to come to work because the Super Bowl runs way into late hours. I think it'd be great. Yeah. Well, I would participate in any day off. Why do we keep coming up with holidays? It almost seems like a backdoor way to cancel a real holiday. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's something. As long as it's not some woke initiative to cancel Columbus Day because evil Christopher Columbus. Uh, but I love how that first guy. Can you, can you just cue that up again? Just play that. Most first. of the people are either hungover or they just don't want. <laughs> I, I love how that guy's like. Yeah, most of the people in this state are drunk and hungover anyway. So yeah, make it a holiday. <laughs> I, I, I love that idea. I love the idea of making the day after Super Bowl a holiday. Because, yes, I'm going to be honest with you, I might have a little bit of a twinge of a hangover, especially as much money as I've got riding on this game. (laughs) You made a pretty sizable wager. I I did. It was out of emotion and anger, and uh, I don't regret it. But um, (laughs) uh, let's just say I emptied my account, (laughs) and I am rooting for the Eagles to win this game. So was this in any way what you call an anger bet? Yes, actually it was, because I live bet the Purdue IU game when Purdue was down by 15 points. I got him at plus 500. I go, you know they're going to make a run. They're the number one team in the country. They got the best player in college basketball. You know Purdue is going to make a run. So, so I, I like, I've been on a string of losses lately, like you haven't seen. <laughs> and I thought I got this. And when they were down by one, I thought this is it. I'm going to win. And then I was seething seething after the game and i said screw it you know what i need to double my i need to double my account i'm gonna just gonna put the entire four hundred dollars on the eagles on the eagles money line to win the super bowl so it may have been an anger bet as i like to call it yes and you said you've been in a rough streak lately oh a long time long 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 long. so i'm gonna Hammer the Chiefs, then. (laughs) Four bills, though. Four hundy on the Eagles. Or as Fetterman would say, the Eagles. Is this anything? A Michigan woman is being praised for returning almost 15 grand that she found on the ground while walking to work. Wow. Because of her generosity, people have raised tens of thousands of dollars to help get her a car so she doesn't have to walk anymore. That's cool. Here is Diane Gordon and Lieutenant Ivory talking about what happened and who the money belonged to. Looked down on the ground and found a plastic bag that had a large sum of money in it. This doesn't belong to me. I need to call a police officer. It never really crossed our mind to do anything other than turn it over. Inside the bag was also wedding cards. So we come to find out that these are gifts from a wedding that had occurred that day. I think it was $14,780 worth of cash. It's okay. I mean, it didn't belong to me. 
Oh uh, yeah, this is something that's cool. They got her a new car after fundraising and get you know um, after she found all that money and uh, fifteen grand was it? Fifteen I, I, grand. Man, I'd like to think I'd do the same thing. It just you know how arduous and cumbersome of a process would it be to find out who the owners were? Is the only thing. Like I'm getting home, I'll call the non-police emergency number, and you could come and get it. <laughs> if 15 they say, grand though. If they if they say come to the station, I'm like, nah. You guys got to come here and get this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I would do the right thing. If I found fifteen grand, I would turn in ten thousand dollars and say, <laughs> "I found this in the street." You know me; I'm here to help. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer's over there. Hey now, my name is Nigel. Disgraced former Twitter executives Vijaya Gad, Yoel Roth, and Jim Baker all testifying under oath before a uh, House Oversight Committee this week in relation to uh you know temporarily suppress the new york post story and yeah i hope they ask some very tough questions it looks like uh the um the committee is going to have them and grill them they subpoenaed they're under subpoena they're testifying who were you exactly were you talking to from the dnc uh in the closing weeks of the 2020 presidential election campaign when you decided to suppress the hunter biden story who exactly were you talking to from the biden campaign who exactly from the fbi were you communicating with all questions i'd like to know looking forward to that especially that weasel yoel roth because he was kind of being a smart ass about the fact that he was meeting with the FBI on a regular basis. Well, why were they meeting? Were they meeting to limit and silence some voices? We'll find out later this week. Uh, tomorrow night, big night, Nige, Joe Biden. They're going to prop oh. him up there like Weekend at Bernie's. They're going to put the peanut butter on his dentures to make it look <laughs> like he's talking. And it's the State of the Union address. Tailgate worthy? <laughs> he's Mr. Ed. <laughs> they used to make Mr. Ed talk. Tailgate worthy? Nah. No. I I, I don't know. I might. I, I guess I'll just watch it because I have to for work. But uh, I, I mainly just uh, maybe get the cliff notes in the mornings. I'm going to you watch know, it. I, Again, we say this all the time. We watch this crap so you don't have to. It's a popular opinion, uh, but we've been saying this for a long time, and we got a bingo card available. Have you seen the bingo card? Hilarious. So, Did you tweet that out? I did. On Twitter, I think okay. I've got it pinned at the top, Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Hammer and <laughs> Nigel. The State of the Union bingo card is now available. What are some of the things that you see on the card okay, here, Okay, so if you're watching the State of the Union address tomorrow night and Biden says the word malarkey, oh, it's go a ahead favorite. and mark it off. Okay. Biden falls down trips. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> Promises free stuff to people. A come on man. <laughs> this is my favorite one. Biden... <laughs> Biden has a gross, wet cough. <laughs> that is on the card for sure. Which, again, you can go to WIBC.com, go to the Hammer and Nigel page to right-click and download or screenshot it or whatever you do, and it's at Hammer and Nigel on Twitter and Facebook. And if you're playing the game, like if you actually print off the card, send us a picture of you playing yeah. the game, and we'll retweet as many as we can at Hammer and Nigel. <laughs> if he says electric car, <laughs> cross it off. Love it. Stares and squints really long yeah. into the teleprompter. Yep. Uh, so that's coming up tomorrow. <laughs> but 
Today, it's all about this Chinese spy balloon. It's the biggest story in the country because there are so many layers to it. When did Joe Biden know? Was he going to tell us? Did they only shoot it down because people in Montana saw the thing and there was outcry in this nation? Did Donald Trump know about it? So many questions. And it got me thinking, Nige. Yes. What other big things about balloons have happened? And then... I did a little research, and I think this would be the perfect time for a special balloon edition oh. of Fun Facts for Kids. Okay. Well. It's time for Hammer and Nigel's Fun Facts for Kids. <laughs> These are little pieces of information that the younger listeners of the Hammer and Nigel show can enjoy. All right. Special balloon edition. The rubber balloon that we know today was first discovered by a scientist, Michael Faraday. Faraday died a painful death caused by mercury exposure. Slow and devastating symptoms included muscle weakness, twitching, and kidney damage. Fun facts for kids! I'm not sure how that's a... what you would call a fun fact. The first passengers on hot air balloons were not humans. Instead, it was a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. (laughs) The balloon flew for 15 minutes, then ultimately crashed to the ground, meaning there was a good possibility that nearby children playing in a meadow were splattered with the blood and bones of some of their favorite barnherd animals. Fun facts for kids. That's that's not a fun fact. That's neither fun nor I doubt that's a fact. Oh, it's a fact. These are all true facts. Okay. You can doubt whether they're fun or not, but do not question my research. A surgical procedure called an angioplasty uses tiny balloons that are inserted into a blocked blood vessel. Mm-hmm. We've all heard about an angioplasty. Sure, yeah. Sometimes the chest pain can occur during angioplasty because the balloon briefly blocks off blood supply to the heart, causing imminent death. Fun facts for kids! I think this one's my favorite. Balloon Fest took place in 1986. It was an event in Cleveland, Ohio. And Balloon Fest was partnered with the local chapter of the United Way. They were trying to set a record by releasing almost 1.5 million balloons. Mm. It took place on September 27th, 1986, and was intended to be a harmless fundraising publicity stunt. But the balloons drifted back over the city. They also drifted over Lake Erie, and they landed in the surrounding areas, causing problems for traffic. The nearby airport had to be closed for a little bit. And the event also interfered with the United States Coast Guard rescue attempt for two boaters who were later found drowned to death. Fun facts for kids. That is awful. Balloon Fest 86. I wonder if anybody has a T-shirt. Interfered with the Coast Guard search for two boaters. Dolphins, whales, Uh, turtles, and many other marine objects. I don't like this is where this is going. As well as animals such as cows, dogs, sheep, turtles, birds, have all been hurt or killed by balloons. The animal is usually killed from the balloon because they ingest it and it blocks the digestive tract, (sighs) leaving them unable to take in nutrients. So the animal slowly starves to death. Fun facts for kids! That is um, one of the worst things I think I've heard in this segment. It's a fact. Lastly, balloon dueling is actually a thing. I'm sorry? Balloon dueling. French statesman de Grandpa and Le Pique had an actual duel 
while on hot air balloons fighting over a woman. <laughs> the Peaks balloon was shot and he was shot to death and ultimately fell to earth where his bullet ridden corpse smacked the pavement like a sack of wet cement. Fun facts for kids. <sighs> well, kids, I hope you stayed in the car for that one. See, that was, the uh, criticism of this show that we're not kid friendly, fake news. reason we've got madonna blaring in the background is she was at the grammys last night well yeah, we she, think it was madonna she, she, <laughs> <laughs> she last night at the grammys madonna did like a slightly obnoxious intro of sam smith and kim petrus's satanic performance of unholy that's a whole other issue uh, but but listen to the crowd clearly the crowd was not reacting to the way Madonna wanted. Here's part of her, and this is like really a drawn out end up intro. We'll play the whole thing. Are you ready for a little controversy? Come on, people, let's make some noise. Y'all are going to sleep over here. So, here's what I've learned after four decades in music. If they call you shocking, scandalous, troublesome, problematic, provocative, or dangerous, you are definitely onto something. That's where you make noise. Oh. You are, yeah, thank you. Wasn't that just the worst intro you've ever had? First of all, y'all gonna sleep over there is no way to begin something where you want people to go ha- get fired up. Maybe they didn't like, recognize that it was Madonna because her face is so <laughs> weird now. And, and by the way, earlier in, in the show, the crowd was all on their feet uh, dancing to Stevie Wonder and Chris Stapleton. So it looked like the crowd was just fine. So I think it was pretty much her. But the but the but, but yeah, you come out on stage and you go, y'all are going to sleep over here, and it gets immediately quiet. She just right. ruined it. And then that's when you're supposed to clap. Takes us oh. to something that we've done on this show before. <laughs> Great moments in please clap history. <laughs> Jeb Bush. I think the next president needs to be a lot quieter, but send a signal that we're prepared to act in the national security interests of this country to get back in the business of creating a more peaceful world. Please clap. <laughs> that was Madonna. <laughs> That's exactly what Madonna said at the end. Please, what is this called? Great moments in please clap history? Ladies and gentlemen, Amy Klobuchar. And every single time I have run, I have won every single congressional district in my state, including Michelle Bachman's. Okay? That's when you guys are supposed to cheer. Okay? Oh. All right, so... Just a little reminder that Amy Klobuchar finished above Kamala Harris in the Democrat primaries. (laughs) Well, they all did. (laughs) (laughs) But think about how unlikable she is, and she beat Kamala, which brings us to Kamala Harris. Yellow school buses are our nation's largest form of mass transit. How about that? Every day. So, yes, and let's applaud because it gets them where they need to go. <laughs> Nobody's oh, applauding. Wow. We're clapping for yellow school buses. <laughs> I don't understand what's going on here. Great moments in please clap history. And then when Fartwell 
Eric Swalwell <laughs> was running for president in one of the worst campaigns I've ever seen in my life. He thought he'd have this powerful speech and he thought he had a line. And then keep in mind, we have not edited this segment. Listen to the silence. Not one person claps. But I will always be real with you. I will be bold without the bold. My wife and I. Oh, oh. oh, that's painful. This is what it probably sounded like to Eric Swalwell. But I will always be real with you. I will be bold without the bold. <laughs> My wife and I. Uh, that had to be the longest, like, two to three seconds of his life. That was awkward. Great moments in Please Clap History. That's my favorite new segment on the show. Um, if you're looking for a reason to drink tonight... <laughs> I need a reason? <laughs> well, just maybe. All Who right. knows? Rick Astley is 57 years old today. Hey! Never gonna give you up. Oh, that was a great rendition. Thank you. Thank you. So, 50, Allison, how, how old? He's 57. Oh, that's not bad. He's almost 10 years older than I am. He was pretty young when he was making hits. Okay. So, Allison, as our new producer here, we're going to do Choose Your Own Adventure, okay? I've got three clips from Rick Astley. I want you to play the one that you like the best. Do you want to hear Rick Astley on stage with the Foo Fighters doing his hit, Never Gonna Give You Up? Do you want to hear Rick Astley doing a cover of Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars? Or Rick Astley performing Highway to Hell? Allison, choose your own adventure. Uh, definitely Highway to Hell. Let's do Highway right. to Hell. Let's line it up. Let's do it. It's him on the drums, too. He's, pl- he's playing the drums and singing at the same time. Yeah. He's a talented musician. 57. I want to hear the other one. I want to hear the Foo Fighters. On stage with the Foo Fighters, they brought him out, I guess, a surprise at a concert. (laughs) The crowd's into it. He sounds pretty good here. Here we go. I would have been so fired up to Me see too. that Me at a concert. I'm here for it. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Emmer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is right over there. What an hour of radio we have in store for you. Talk about some of these special guests coming up this hour, please. Man, we've got the iconic voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher. What a game that was on Saturday. What an atmosphere. And he was uh, given his props for 50 years behind the mic for the Hoosiers. Unbelievable. That and, oh, by the way, 
William Shatner <laughs> on the Hammer and Nigel show. James T. Kirk. The old brick Shat house. I am so excited for this. He's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. They're having a screening of the Wrath of Khan at Butler in yeah, March. Clues Hall. So they, they do the screening, and then he comes out afterwards and answers questions and does behind-the-scenes stories and talks about his life and stuff. Right. Really cool thing, and we'll talk to him about that coming up in just a little bit. But as we like to do on Mondays on this program, we oh, like I to take it. a look. Yeah, I just absolutely <laughs> love doing this. At the crime that's happening here in the city of Indianapolis. So Friday through Sunday, we consider that the weekend. At least, and we always say that because we don't know, you know, what went on without the police being called. Sure. At least 11 people shot, four stabbed, and three killed. So if you break down that number, that's an average of five people shot or stabbed with one killed each day. And per per capita, those are Chicago-style numbers. We're kicking Chicago's backside in homicides per capita. Let that sink in. In January, if Indianapolis had the same population as Chicago, the homicides would be in the 60s, because Chicago had 44. Yeah. So we would be substantially outpacing Chicago if we had the same population. It's unbelievable. And here's another example of what we talk about all the time. This revolving door of the justice system where horrible people are allowed to get right back out on the streets. 47-year-old Lamont Franklin arrested for attempted murder, but records show that he's been taken to jail at least 18 oh, times since 2004. Oh, just slap an ankle bracelet on him. Rub his hair. Tell him, Come get on. out of here, you little scamp. You'll be fine. Don't do that again. That just makes me sick. And the really scary thing is that IMPD's recruiting numbers are down. Hammer. And that's that's a, a scary situation in and of itself, separate from the crime situation here in Indy. When you look at the recruiting numbers, it's not pretty. But in years past, you might be able to skate as long as you're retaining your officers. They're not doing that right now. As a matter of fact, IU, I'm sorry, IMPD lost 11 more officers to various other police wow. departments in the last couple of weeks. IMPD is down to 285 officers. That's how many they're down. They've lost 285 officers compared to where they should be. That's a scary number. Wow. Say that again. Make sure you're clear. There's more than 285 officers. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're down 285 officers from where they should be. Think about 285 police officers. If they were in front of your house, you would say, that's a lot of police officers. But you look at how big Indianapolis is, and now down 285, that's a big number, man. That's not good. Well, let me tell you something that is good. Are you ready for some good news? Please. Are you ready? Can we just talk about the price of eggs? They have finally started to drop hammer. Oh! Looks like we made it. All right. So I'm not going to have to color potatoes this Easter? <laughs> have to take out a home loan. Golden Oak Lending, get a get a mortgage, uh, you know, get an equity in my house to buy a carton of eggs. So the price of a dozen eggs has dropped fifteen to thirty five cents on average. 
across the United States. So. Progress. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, but gas is going back up, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's an uptick in gas, and it's so annoying. And the price of eggs truly, it's still high. It's the cost of feed, the cost of transportation, and then you throw in a little bird flu in there. Oh, sure. I thought you told me this was good news. <laughs> we did play the looks like we made it music, but... <laughs> In reality, it's just kind of crappy news. No, wait a minute. You're telling me that uh, we have the greatest economy, according to Joe Biden, yet we're still having expensive eggs and gas is going up and there's bird flu. Speaking of Joe Biden, uh, we have the State of the Union bingo card up right now, don't we? Is it up right now? It is up right now on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can print off the image, or you could go to WIBC.com. There's an article there where you can download and print off your State of the Union bingo card for tomorrow night from your friends here at the Hammer and Nigel Show. what does it have on it? You describe what it has on it when you're watching the State of the Union address. So, for example, if Joe Biden says assault weapons, that's on there. (laughs) If Joe Biden and trips and falls. That's on there. If he has a gross wet cough, that's on there. All of your favorite Joe Biden type of things are on this bingo card. Oh man, I can't wait. So that's available right now. An open mouth stare is on there. Go to WIBC.com to download that or Facebook. It's on our Twitter at Hammer. And Nigel, uh, of course, we're keeping on top of the Chinese spy balloon that was shot down on Saturday. It was uh, shot down by Alec Baldwin, I'm being told. <laughs> they brought in the big guns to get it down. I got to tell you, it was riveting television. The only ones that were covering it was Fox. So it was perfect because I sat on my butt and watched that for like two hours. And that led right into the IU-Purdue game. <laughs> oh, wow. Your so Saturday was, was set. I was. Oh, it, it was great until I, until I placed a live bet on... Purdue to multiple live multiple bets because <laughs> I knew they were going to make a run and it didn't work out so well for me. But you know, so yeah, we shot down the Chinese balloon that was floating across the country. But look, I got to tell you, I got to be honest with you, that doesn't mean it isn't a good gift for Valentine's Day this year. Not sure what to get your special someone this Valentine's Day? Why not surprise them with a colorful Chinese spy balloon bouquet (laughs) from Party City? Show your Valentine how much you love them by watching their every movement (laughs) 24-7. The Chinese spy balloon bouquet from Party City. It's the gift that says you're always there for them because you're always there. (laughs) Oh, man, that spy balloon thing is just an embarrassment for our country. Just another embarrassment. And Biden and the Good Time Party boys at the Pentagon are all high-fiving themselves after they shot that thing out of the air after it completed its mission. Right. Like, imagine if law enforcement had that same policy. (laughs) Well, we knew where the killer was. We were tracking the killer. And after he killed 13 more people, we made our arrest. Like, what other industry does this philosophy fly in? Oh, man. Unbelievable. 
It's the Hammer Nigel Show. My name is Nigel Hammers here. This is awesome. Iconic actor William Shatner, a.k.a. James T. Kirk, coming to Indy and Fort Wayne next month, doing a screening of Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan at Clues Hall. And then after the movie, he's going to come out on stage and tell behind-the-scenes stories, stuff about his career, and, and take questions from the audience. It's an honor to have William Shatner live on the drivehuber.com hotline. Bill, how are you? Oh, well, and thank you for that uh, long introduction, because I am coming to that theater, and it is a wonderful evening in the in the, in the the theater. You, you really get your money's worth. This wonderful movie, uh, all refurbished, then I'll come out and help amuse and, uh, and amaze everybody with you. So this, it's a wonderful evening of, of, of theater. It's, you see a film, and they all come out and, and help out, and we have a great time. So I'm looking forward to seeing audiences in Indianapolis and, Fort and, we'll, and we'll talk definitely more about the screening but I think I mean, we can start it in any number of areas with your career but but I think during your era there were like six Star Trek movies what is it about the wrath of Khan that still resonates with fans to this day well it's it, it's simple you know um, uh, Star Wars came out with all that paraphernalia and then we came out with Star Trek the movie and that had a lot of bizarre the secret behind the series, it seemed to me, was the great story that Star Trek would tell, and it's clever science fiction, and that was the reason for the success, in my opinion. So uh, the Wrath of Khan harkens back to that history of a simple story, emotional, told simply, and not a great many special effects and just human beings interacting, even though it's three, four hundred years from now, they feel the same love, uh, horror, hate, all those basic emotions are felt so far in the past and so far in the future, because that's humanity. And the stories were human stories, and, and Star Trek, the next gener- uh, the, uh, the, the Wrath of Khan, is a human story, and, and uh, it moves people all the time. And then after the film is over, I'll come out and try and keep the entertainment going. And so for that evening in the theater, you get film and me, and it's unique and, and different and, and rewarding. So, William, when you say you keep the entertainment going, you've done these types of things before. And I know you go to conventions and there are screenings of Star Trek. How often do you get a question that you've never heard before? Well, it will. then you mean, do they ask me one giant question? No. Uh, sometimes the questions are the same, and I may have a, uh, a story about it or not, or, but if I'm on top of my game, what I'll do is um, in a more philosophical way, try and turn it to, to why we want to know weird why, why do we want to know weird questions and not questions about what's the most loving question? What's the most insightful question you've ever been? I mean, other other words than what's the weird and what's the strangest question and what do you ask most of? I mean, why is that of interest? So that's way I might turn the whole question around in the theater. So we have our boss in studio, Mr. Shatner, and he oh, is a oh. big fan, <laughs> big fan oh. of your work. And this is rare. He never comes in. I don't think he likes our show, but he's here today just to speak to you. This is our boss, David. Hello, Hi. Mr. Shatner. David. I wanted to make sure they treated you well. 
No, they're just awful. I, <laughs> I don't, don't don't tell anybody, but golly, they ask they ask the strangest questions. Like, so, what's the strangest question? I mean, yeah, that's a strange question, man. Well, hey, I'll ask you a question. Uh, I don't know if it's a strange question, but something that uh, a couple of my friends that are big Star Trek fans have talked about before that Wrath of Khan was the first movie we ever cried at. Do you get that? Yeah, no, that, I think that's true. It's a it's a very emotional film. And when it's, you know, when you love the characters, whether you've just met them from the opening credits or you know them over, in this case, 79 shows, what happens to them becomes a personal thing. And now you see it on the big screen and the people you l- learn to love so many, uh, so many times over so many years has a problem. Uh, then you, it's your problem, and you and the audience feel it deeply. Yeah. Yeah, I, in fact, I cried twice, because it was when you guys were in engineering, when Spock was dying, and then your eulogy, when your voice broke on his soul was the most human. I was like, oh, my God. And then, of course, I cried again during Generations when you <laughs> died. <so. laughs> and in spite of that, well, Star, Star Trek's I, brought I, me a great I, deal of joy. I just want to tell you this. The guys who work for you call you crier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, here comes the weeper. Yeah. You know, I mean, apparently you're crying all the time. What's the most famous scene in that movie, do you think? Is it is it the is it the scene where, where Spock is dying or is it the iconic <laughs> moment when you look up into the sky and yell, Come! <laughs> I didn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) You did a lot better than I did. Uh, No, that was pretty darn good. You won't be able to talk for a year. (laughs) um, You know, the the truth of the matter is, I don't get to the theater until well into the, as the film is being, I mean, it's an hour and a half, so I don't have to sit backstage for an hour and a half. So I, I come in about 45 minutes before the end of the movie, and uh, you know, look around and uh, uh, see if there uh, if there's anything to eat, you know, and, and get some tea and <laughs> make my way backstage. And then I hear the the credit, the end credits. I know I'm just in time. So to say, which is my favorite scene? I don't remember. Go ahead. Uh, William Shatner coming to Fort Wayne, coming to Indy. The Indy Show, March 12th at Clues Memorial Hall. So we're going to get you out of here with one more question from David because he is super fanning right now. <laughs> you I know, here's what I want to know, David. What, what do you want to know? It's about you. It's not about the show. And it's like, I think one of the most interesting things about you is that you're about to turn 70 or 70, right? You're about to turn 92 <laughs> years old and you don't look it, you don't sound it, you don't act it. How, I mean, is back to the first figure? <laughs> I mean, is it is it genetics? Is it the way you live? Is it luck of the draw? Uh, no, no, I've got this pill. I'm, I'm marketing it right now. You can get three bottles. If you want three bottles, <laughs> you look great, though, man. You look like a million damn dollars, yeah, William. Get one free, and then and then you order the one free, and they, before you they'll complete your order and say we got another bottle for you uh, for ten percent off. Uh, no, I don't know what it is. Uh, it's just uh, talking to guys like you. It, it flushes your face. <laughs> well, you are a national treasure. Oh, 
I'm going to be buried soon. <laughs> <laughs> William Shatner, Star Trek II. treasure. The Wrath of Khan. It's coming to Fort Wayne. There's a screening in Indianapolis. Tickets are available now. There's questions. There's fun. Everything that you want. William, we could go on for hours, but I know you got to run. Thank you for talking to us here in Indy. Thank you. A pleasure. I hope I see you at the theater. Bye-bye. William Shatner, the old brick shat house on the phone right there. He's a little surly guy. <laughs> I love it. Bringing the heat, man. Um, so we'll get that posted online at WIBC.com. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. The longtime and iconic voice of the Indiana Hoosiers is Don Fisher. Fish, before we get into the game this past weekend, you were honored, uh, bef- I believe, during the game on Saturday, 50 years wow. behind the mic for the Hoosiers, wow. my man. Congratulations. <laughs> well, it just means you're old, guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I literally, I mean, the first thing I said to the crowd was, uh, you know, I laid in bed last night trying to think what I was going to say, and then I realized I've been doing this for a half a century. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. So at any rate, uh, yeah, it, it was really nice. It was a nice tribute and uh, had all the guys that I uh, have it as color analysts on my broadcast, both football and basketball out there, with the exception of Pete Campisi, who was uh, in Florida on vacation. And uh, the other guy was uh, Royce Waltman, who was a terrific coach and obviously a former assistant to Coach Knight. He was our assistant or our color analyst for four years back in the uh, 2000s, the 2010 area, and just a great guy, but he passed away with bladder cancer. So, well, fish, anyway, everybody else was out there. Yeah, we're, and I'm personally just a big fan of yours. Uh, there's no way I could do in broadcasting what you do, and I'm sure it was awesome having the crowd uh, uh, cheer for you, and uh, we just uh, we always uh, appreciate you making time for us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. And then the game. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, by the way, there was a game on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot more important than my half. <laughs> yeah, Fish. It, was a, it was a special game. It really was. All right, settle an argument that I had with my old man this past weekend. We were talking about rowdy, raucous crowds at Assembly Hall. What had more juice in it? This past Saturday, where Purdue comes in as the number one team in America, I think for the first time to Assembly Hall as number one, or when Kentucky rolled in a few years back undefeated with the Watt shot. Which crowd had a little bit more juice to it? You're asking me to say something that I can't possibly imagine because both of those crowds were spectacular. And, And honestly, we've had a lot of spectacular crowds over the years. It really kind of started back when I started in 73. I saw the, my first Purdue game was Indiana-Purdue in Assembly Hall, and Indiana won it on a last-second block by Steve Green on Mike Steele's shot. Uh, John Laskowski just hit two free throws to give Indiana the lead, and the students stormed the court that day. And everybody's going, <laughs> what? What? Students storming the court? I mean, that should never happen in Indiana. We expect to win. Oh, no. They've been, doing, they've been charging the floor for a long time, trust me. And that's another 
aspect of the conversation that I'm seeing all over social media. You know, maybe it's Purdue fans who are a little bitter, but are you okay with the court storming? If you consider yourself a blue blood of the sport, are you good with the court storming? Well, I'm, I, I would prefer not to have it stormed, to be honest with you, but at the same time, I get it. These, these students, they're, they're enamored with their school, with their program, with their play, players, those kinds of things. I get it 100%. So I'm not going to sit here and badmouth a bunch of kids that run out there and want to enjoy the moment. And I think it's special in that regard, too. So <laughs> as much as an old curmudgeon that I am, <laughs> I will say that I don't have a big problem with it either way, to be honest. Iconic voice of the uh, Hoosiers, Don Fisher here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. So talk about the start of the game. IU started out very strong, didn't they? Played the best first half defense I've seen them play all year long. It was spectacular. They did a great job of taking Purdue out of what they wanted to do offensively. Uh, and they did a great job at the offensive end, knocking in shots, uh, scoring 50 points in the first half. But the energy that they expounded in that first half, I think, took a little bit out of them. I think from an energy perspective, Indiana's defense wasn't as good in the second half, but it was still good enough. And they were you knew that Purdue was going to make a run. And they made adjustments at halftime. And Edie is so spectacularly good. Uh, you know, people sit here and talk about Zach Edie like, you know, uh, you know, he's not going to be in the NBA. Well, that's baloney. He's seven foot four, three hundred pounds. You can't move the guy, and he's got tremendous touch, and he's improved dramatically all three years he's been at Purdue, and he's playing tons of minutes this year. Which people thought that can't happen because he's just too big to to have that kind of energy level, but. He's proving uh, everybody wrong, and he's got a tremendous touch. I have a lot of great respect for this kid, and he just plays. There's no showboating. There's none of that stuff. He just plays, and he is really, really good. Don, have you seen a player pick up a team like Trace Jackson Davis has done the last month and just carry them on his back? Have you seen anything like that during your time behind the mic? I'm not sure that I have. I mean, I've seen some great players at Indiana, but, you know, in the Bob Knight era, it was always role players and everybody playing their role. And it wasn't just one guy. And in this case, it's not just one guy, but he has taken that role on big time. There's no question in my mind that Trace is playing the best of his career. He is willing this team in some ball games to win. And I, I just, I'm proud of him. I'm proud of what he's been able to accomplish. And he's matured dramatically over his four years at Indiana. Uh, he's just a really great kid, number one. But number two, he's a heck of a basketball player. Talk about Coach Woodson for a second, what he's been able to accomplish with this team ever since taking over as, as head coach. Well, I mean, his second year now, he's got him in third place in the league. Of course, there are six teams tied for third place right now <laughs> in the Big Ten. But but honestly, I think he's doing a great job with this team. I mean, these kids have bought into what he's selling. They, they believe in what he's preaching out there, what he wants them to do. It's not always easy. It's, you know, execution's a critical thing, and you've got to be able to do it game in and game out. And some of these guys are pretty young, and they're learning. And look at the different guys he's, you know, kind of had in his the young guys that he has brought along this year. Caleb Banks, all of a sudden, in the last three games or so, has actually started to play some and getting opportunities and taking advantage of them. Uh, we saw that from Hood Chafino and Malik Renew early on. Renew kind of plateaued a little bit, where Hood Chafino has kind of been the guy since X has gone out of the ball game. 
But and so he's a very mature kid, and and obviously a calm guy, a calm presence out there. And he's had his bad moments too. He didn't score hardly at all in the Maryland ball game that Indiana got beat to end their five game winning streak. But then he comes back and has a phenomenal game against Purdue on Saturday. So. What we're talking about here is development, guys developing as the year goes on. And it's, it's special to watch these guys and get, see them get better and then get their opportunity and take advantage of it. I want to talk about the upcoming Rutgers game here in just a moment. Before we get to there, uh, Fish, what's different now with this Indiana team that wasn't there a couple weeks ago when they lost at home to Northwestern, uh, blown out on the road at Penn State, blew a huge lead at Iowa? What's changed? Well, obviously, Race Thompson is back in the lineup because Race went out in that Iowa ball game just before halftime, and obviously that was the second starter that goes down, and you don't know when you're going to get the guy back. And I thought it took some steam out of this team psychologically. I really believe that. And then I, they also had, after they lost the third ball game, which was to uh, Penn State and got pounded by Penn State in that contest, they, they came back, and and uh, I, they had a team meeting. It was a players-only meeting. I think Trace Jackson Davis called it. I might find that out more today if he was actually the guy that decided that was what was going to happen. But they had a team-only meeting, a players-only meeting, and all of a sudden, and of course, a bad, they really had a tough practice <laughs> leading up to the Wisconsin game. I guess maybe one of those three-hour jobs that nobody wants to be participating in. <laughs> so at any rate, um, and Mike was pretty tough on him, to say the least, uh, leading into that contest. Well, they, they all of a sudden they come out and they play with their hair on fire. And, and that's what we've been waiting to see on a consistent basis this year. And for the most part, since that ball game, since that Penn State ball game, they have played the best defense that they've played throughout much of the season. And the offense has come around as well. And they're having more and more guys contribute now. Trace is obviously the key guy. He has took the, taken that team on his shoulders. But Tamar Bates has gotten better. Trey Galloway has been you know, terrific most of the year. And in the starters role, he just has gotten better and better. And Hood Shafino, of course, is a freshman that, you know, we've talked about him all season, how good he is. But there are different people at almost every ball game that step up and give him some really positive minutes. And I think that's the key. So tomorrow, the Hoosiers back in action, Rutgers coming to Assembly Hall. Now, I don't know how much uh, you pay attention to this kind of stuff, but in the sports betting community, Don, we call this a trap game where one <laughs> team's coming off of a big game and lo and behold, there's a quick turnaround against somebody that's already beaten you before. Give us a little preview of what we can expect tomorrow. Well, I think it's going to be a very tough ball game, number one, because I think Rutgers might be as good a defensive basketball team as there is in the country, not just the Big Ten. I'm telling you that these guys are really, really good at the defensive end of the floor. And they've had guys that have just taken advantage of IU in the past. Obviously, Ron Harper Jr. Um, and the Baker kid uh, a couple of years ago. And now they've got uh, Paul McKay playing tremendously well at the point guard position. Caleb McConnell is a defensive presence that nobody is able to deal with almost in any ball game. And they beat Michigan State at Madison Square Garden this past weekend. They are in second place by themselves right now in the conference, and they have six straight wins over Indiana and have won wow. eight of the last nine 
these two teams. Think about that for a while. So we're talking about a basketball team that Indiana has, or that uh, they've had Indiana's number. And Indiana, I know, is sick of it. Trace has never beaten Rutgers in his four years at Indiana right now. Wow. And he wants it in the worst way. I know that. Unbelievable. Tip-off is at 6.30, pregame 5.30, right here in 93 WIBC. Again, Fish, congratulations. 50 years on the mic for the Hoosiers. Amazing. And we're looking forward to that call tomorrow night. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Another hour of the Hammer and Nigel show coming up after 6 o'clock. Everything you need to know about the Chinese spy balloon. And as much of an embarrassment and as a disaster as this debacle was, Hammer, I can only hope there was military surveillance, like a reconnaissance plane following this spy balloon, uh, taking in information, spying on the people that are spying on us, recording what's coming out of that thing, and and maybe maybe we'll be able uh, be able to glean some information that way. That's that's the only part of it that I hope is could be somewhat redeeming. I have such little faith in anything Joe Biden's in charge of, including our military at this point. Like it feels like our military is more focused on what pronouns balloon preferred yeah. as opposed to getting the actual secrets off of it. And now, you know, the lines changed, the narratives changed. They said, Oh, Trump knew about all these balloons during his administration and didn't do anything about it. And now the narratives changed to, oh well we just found out about these supposed balloons during the Trump administration and are just now letting you know about it. So it's the whole narrative, the whole lot. It's 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 all crap, and we'll fill you in after six o'clock. Now, real quick, this guy's a hero, UPS driver, getting credit for saving a 76-year-old woman's life when she fell into a creek in her backyard, freezing temperatures. He pulled her out while he was delivering her package to her house. Wow! Like like, like just so she just happened to be there. Here is the driver, and then um. And then the woman that fell in the creek talking about it. Kind of put my arms under and cradled her and said, okay, baby, let's go. And uh, up we went. I don't know anyone at one time or another does not need help for something. Another 10 minutes and I would have been a goner. (laughs) She's not just a customer now. She's also a friend. I mean, what a coincidence. You just happen to be delivering a package? I mean, you know, God was smiling down on her that day, man. Right place, right time. And the line stuck out to me, and we say this a lot during the uh, Radiothon, everybody needs a little help once in a while, whether it's when you're younger, whether it's when you're older, or in a situation like this. By the way, listen to this again. Kind of put my arms under and cradled her and said, okay, baby, let's go. What a misogynist, a sexist pig he is. How dare you touch her? Did you ask consent first? (laughs) Did you ask consent before saving her life it's the hammer and nigel show raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to mcdonald's for mcnuggets and the play play slide have something sweet in her honor come to mcdonald's and treat yourself to the grandma mcflurry today and participate in mcdonald's for a limited time